Welcome to This Is That, where the Word of God comes to life. Here, we take on everyday questions faced by believers and converts, and we dig through the Word of God where similar situations have occurred, and we break it down on how these Bible principles and doctrines can be applied in our daily life situations. And it is our intention and prayer that this fellowship will encourage your faith and strengthen your walk with God. And as our commitment to advance God's kingdom to every culture and nation, we appreciate it very much if you would hit that like button and to share and to subscribe to our channel. This is that movie, The Apostolic, on your favorite podcast. And on YouTube, Call to Ministry. This is that segment. And every time you click on the like button, the more we get advertised out there. The more we get advertised, the more we are able to reach people. And so before we start, just a couple of shout-outs to our friends at the Uplift Podcast with Brother Nathan Beeler, the Steadfast Devotion Podcast with Brother Trey and Brother Calvin, and to the Search for Truth Podcast with Pastor Young. First and foremost, we want to give a shout-out to God, to our families, and to all our listeners here and abroad. We thank you for giving us this opportunity to be able to speak into your lives. We thank you for allowing us to come into your homes and into your devices and to be able to speak the Word of God in your lives and to be able to share the testimonies and what God has been pouring into us into your lives. Season 1 has been really great. It has opened not only the eyes of our listeners but also eyes of your hosts and we are more fired up than ever to continue to bring the Word of God in your lives and to be able to bring more testimonies to you to help you and to encourage you in your walk with God. And so as we gear up into a new season, we will continue to dwell on how we apply Bible principles in our lives and how we can align our lives to the will and purpose of God for us. In the new season that's going to come, we will be focusing on what are the obstacles that hinder us from moving forward to the promises of God in our lives. To seasoned believers, what prevents us and delays us from moving forward towards our breakthroughs and towards our revival? And to our new believers, what keeps us from taking on the promises of God in our lives? For God has greatly promised us victories and rewards, but how do we get and see and enjoy those rewards will be up to us if we overcome the things that are in front of us. For every door of a promise lies a challenge. And so continue to keep us in your playlist. And before we start the new season, allow us to plug in a couple of Bible lessons adapted from our recorded Bible study groups. And it is our hope that you will enjoy our plug-in lessons. And as we get ready for this new season, we pray that you stay encouraged, that you stay strong in your faith. And as we continue to move together in the apostolic, let's pray for each other and let's pray for God's will in our lives, in our nation, and in our country. May God bless you all and enjoy. In the Bible, it will tell us that the church has tolerated a false teacher. Whether her real name is Jezebel or just a symbolism, the believers were tempted to compromise with the comforts and the demands of a uh, good worldly life. And so, how we relate to this is that there is a pressure in, in the society, there's a pressure for us to fit into the world. 
That is why you would see a lot of preachers who used to preach straight and narrow begin to let down on godly standards just to draw an attention or just to draw a crowd. If the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then why do we have to change the gospel? As if we are the ones going to win the souls. We may be the vessels, but it is only God who moves and who brings the increase. Uh, the other church, the other church that we talked about was the, was the church of Sardis. In the Bible, it is described uh, that the church at Sardis has a reputation that they have a name, that they are alive, but yet in reality, they are dead. Here we talked about how Jesus quickly and clearly condemns the lifeless state of the church of Sardis. He said, I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. See, this church may have a good reputation. They may have a great sign that says, we are Christians, but they were spiritually lifeless. In this day, this would be those who know how to act as Christians on the outside, but they have no fire, they have no passion in them to do anything for God. They claim that they are Christians, they claim that they are followers of God, and yet they would deny God by not showing any works. They know the Bible, but they don't want to get their hands dirty. They know that the Bible says, go, but what are they doing? They will not do anything. In other words, these are like the Pharisees. They look good in the outside, but on the inside, they are full of dead man's bones. And so we move on to the next message, which is to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. And as we mentioned in our previous lesson, only Smyrna and Philadelphia were the church that was not rebuked. And so the church of Philadelphia was also known as the church of a brotherly love. Why? Because they displayed tremendous strength in holding on to their faith. And just like the other churches, they too faced persecution. They too faced oppositions. They too were surrounded by pagan religions, by pagan idolatry, and they too faced pressure to compromise, but they stood firm in their faith. And as described, the church of Philadelphia was weak in some respects, and yet they remained faithful in the face of trials, in the face of oppositions. And because they remained faithful, the Lord opened a door of opportunity for them. Opportunity to bless and to be blessed. And this church would relate to us in a way that sometimes we see ourselves and we see our weaknesses. We notice the lack in our abilities. But Jesus said, though you have little strength and because of your faithfulness, I will open a door of opportunity for you. My friends, you and I may not have the greatest talents in the world, but if we are faithful and true to God, He will open a door of opportunity for us to become a blessing and to receive a blessing. And that brings us to the seventh and the final message to the church of Laodicea. And so, if you have your Bibles, open them with me in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 to 22. And so, if you compare the opening statement of Jesus to all the churches, 
Jesus directly presented to the Laodiceans the condition of the church in Laodicea. You see, the Laodicean church received no commendations for their faithfulness, but only warning. Warning for them to wake up and to repent. In his opening statement, Jesus was very concerned about the church's lukewarm attitude. But to, to their uh, credit, they did not show any kind of rebellion or neither did they renounce their faith. They had works, but their works were considered to be mediocre or inferior to what they could be doing. An example of a mediocre work is the attitude that, oh, this will do. Meaning, there's not much effort given into it. They could have done more, but they withheld from doing more. They withheld from going above and beyond. And looking into the history, uh, looking into the writings and excavations, it would tell us that the city of Laodicea was a wealthy and prosperous city. The people here were content and comfortable both in the spiritual and in their physical needs. Why? Because they have what they needed and more. And that became their downfall. Because they have all the things that they wanted. They became complacent and satisfied in their worship. And if we look deeper into uh, the placement or the geographical location of the city, from a military standpoint, Laodicea has an excellent advantage for the, for the uh, city, sits on top of a mountain, uh, sits on top of a hill that overlooks through the valley. However, with its strength, presented its weakness. And the greatest weakness of that city was its water source. Because the city was so far up the mountains, it was hard to find a good water source. So they depend on outsourcing their water supply. The city itself, Laodicea, had no water wells. And although it was a prosperous town, water had to be pumped in or had to be irrigated from the neighboring towns. And that is where Jesus started his message to them. What is being described here at the church of Laodicea is the actual condition of the city. What Jesus was really doing was he was comparing the condition of the church to the condition of the city of Laodicea. If we were to describe the condition of that city today, we would see a lot of businesses, a lot of big houses, a lot of luxury cars parked outside the homes. They would have the greatest gadgets. They would have the latest technology. Food will be overflowing. Basically, it would be the ideal town or community for everyone that you see. They are all rich. They are clothed with fine clothing. They're in need of nothing. With its greatest location and views, there was a problem. They have no real water source in the city. They had to create waterways. They had to create a pipeline to bring in water from the other towns. And there were two main water sources that fed in the city. One city is called Hierapolis, where it is known to have hot springs. 
and the waters that flow out of those hot springs were believed to have healing powers that were believed to have healing and medicinal properties. And because of that healing property of the, that those waters in the hot springs, the Laodiceans created a network to pipe in that hot water to come into their city. And the other city where they outsourced their water is the city of Colossae. And what the city of Colossae uh, was known for was be of its springs that bring forth cool water that is perfect for drinking. The spring waters of Colossae were, were well known to refresh whoever drinks. And so here on one side, we have the hot springs, the hot water springs from Hierapolis. And here on the other side are the natural spring water of Colossae. And again, because of that refreshing quality of the waters of Colossae, the city of Laodicea created a waterway to bring in the cooling water, the refreshing water to the city of Laodicea. Great plan, right? Except that it didn't go well as planned. The idea was awesome, but there was a problem. Because of the distance from these water sources, by the time that the water from Heropolis reached Laodicea, the hot waters from the hot springs cooled down as they traveled to the pipeline. Therefore, it is losing its healing and medicinal properties. And due to the same problem, the distance, the cooling waters that come from the waters of Colossae, when they reach into Laodicea, they already warmed up. Again, losing its refreshing and cooling properties. And so, both the healing and the refreshing properties of these waters became useless when they arrived at Laodicea. The water from the hot springs could not be really used for its intended purpose to heal because it is not hot anymore. And the waters from the cool springs of Colossae could not be used for, the, for its intended purpose also because it's not refreshing anymore. Meaning, by the time these waters reach Laodicea, after several miles traveling into the stone pipelines, they have lost their desired temperature. They became lukewarm. And thus, it is useless for either healing or refreshing. Both water sources are ineffective and useless. It is therefore no good for either purpose. And so now it would all make sense what Jesus was referring to when he talks about the church being a lukewarm. And knowing Jesus, he can speak in parables and he would also have another meaning for it. And so in his description of the church in Laodicea, Jesus was not only talking about the physical condition of the city, but, he, but in a way he was uh, comparing the spiritual state of the church in Laodicea. You are neither hot nor cold. I would or I would love if you are hot or cold. Because, because I can use you for healing property and I can use you for a refreshing property. I would that you would resemble the healing properties of the hot springs of Heropolis or the refreshing properties of the spring water in Colossae. But because you are lukewarm, you are good for nothing. I will spew you out of my mouth. Basically saying, what good is it 
to bring the healing waters. If when it reaches you, it becomes cold. And what good is it to pump waters from the cool springs? If it reaches you, it becomes lukewarm. And so why am I telling you this? Well, because this lukewarm is going to be the prevalent spirit that will be found in the church, in the body of believers, in the last days, just before Jesus will call his church. Just like the church at Sardis, Laodicea has been overcome by the spirit of complacency, contentment, or uh, being self-satisfied. If you pay close attention to the words spoken uh, by Jesus to the church in Laodicea, it was the only church that was not given a praise. There was such a spirit of contentment because they are rich. They can buy whatever they wanted. Christ said, Because thou sayest you are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. I'm going to paraphrase. You, be, because you say that you are rich, because you say that you, you do not need anything, you are blinded with that false sense of security. But to tell you the truth, you are not rich, but you are pitiful. You are miserable. You are uh, poor. You are blind. You are naked. You see, in the world, people often consider you to be successful if you dress nice. If you live in a big house, if you have cars, uh, luxury cars parked in your driveway, they would say, wow, that is successful. That person is successful. That is uh, the world standards. But in the eyes of God, being rich or successful does not depend on whether you have a car, whether you have a big house, or whether you dress nicely. Jesus praised the church in Smyrna uh, because they were the exact opposite of the church of Laodicea. Smyrna was poor according to worldly standards, and yet God considered them rich. Why? Because they're of their unwavering faithfulness to God. In Matthew chapter 6, it would tell us to lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves would break through and steal. But lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, where thieves do not break in or in steal, or where your treasure is. There will be your heart also. Why do you think Jesus told the church of Laodicea to buy me of gold and tried with fire? In, in, here in verse 18, why did Jesus tell the church in Laodicea to say, I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in fire that thou mayest be rich? Basically, Jesus was telling them, well, you think you are rich, but if you really want to be rich, come buy the gold that I have. Come buy the treasure that I have. And what is this treasure that Jesus is speaking about? What is this gold that Jesus is talking about? This treasure that is contained in the earthen vessel. It is the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Ghost, that is in 
in this body. That is the treasure contained in this earthen vessel. You see, what, what the world considers as treasure are all the things that we see. The cars, the houses, the, the things that we touch, feel, uh, and smell. Those are uh, the worldly treasures. These are the earthly treasures. But with God, earthly treasures mean nothing. Why? Because God owns the hills and the cattle above the hills and the gold that is underneath the hills. Th that is what Jesus was telling them in verse 18, to buy me of gold. You are not rich because of what you have here on earth, but buy my gold, buy my treasure. Uh, where is that in, in verse I think uh, in one of the parables, Jesus would 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 tell would talk about the parable of the one who find a treasure in the field. When this man found a treasure in the field, he went to sell all his goods uh, just to buy that treasure. Connect that to the church in Laodicea. Why did Jesus tell them to buy the gold that he has? Another thing that the Lord rebuked the church in Laodicea was their pride in the garments that they wore. Continuing in verse 18, it says, I counsel thee to buy me of gold tried in fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed. What was Jesus talking in here? Well, again, because the people of Laodicea were pride of their textile industry and the, the clothing industry that they have. They think that their riches is the best. They had this uh, false sense of uh, security or they have this false sense that because they are blessed, they think that they are righteous. A lot of people will think that, oh, they are blessed. They must be righteous. Oh, the, they are so blessed. They must be very, they must have a great a spiritual life. But in Laodicea, God called him naked. God called him to buy the, 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 the white raiment that is from God, that they might be clothed. Again, why? Let's go back to Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what happened to them? Their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. They noticed that they were naked. Before the fall, they did not notice their nakedness. Why? Because the Holy Ghost was covering them. But when they sinned, the Holy Ghost left them. And they noticed that they don't have any covering. And what did they do? They covered themselves in fig leaves. You see, the world thinks that this is our covering. But the truth is, our covering is God Himself. Why did Jesus specifically say, you need to buy white raiment? Why white? All throughout the Bible, color white symbolizes righteousness. And who else is righteous? The Bible says, there's none righteous, no, not one. Except Jesus, who was justified by being blameless. He was at all points tempted like as we are, and yet without sin. Therefore, he was glorified and placed to sit at the right hand of righteousness. My friends, do not have the false sense of security uh, that just because you are blessed, just because you have everything, just like the Laodicean church that is in need of nothing. It does not mean that you are righteous. For we can only be righteous if we have Christ as our covering. And furthermore, not only was Jesus concerned about the lack of uh, 
spirituality and the lack of covering of the church of Laodicea. But in verse 18, again, Jesus mentions them being blind. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thy eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. And so what is this blindness? The blindness that is referring in here is spiritual blindness. Remember during the times of Eli the priest in, in 1 Samuel? Here, Christ would advise the church to anoint their eyes with eye salve. In simpler terms, Jesus instructs them to do something to get your vision back. And all of this is because the church told themselves, we are rich and increased with goods and we have in need of nothing. They were saying, we are okay. We are fine. We are we're doing fine in our church. We are having church services as, as usual. What Jesus is doing to the church was he was basically performing what a, a good doctor would do. First, he would examine the patient. Then later on, he would give his diagnosis and he would recommend treatment. And why is lukewarm not good? Spiritually speaking, having a lukewarm spirituality is not good for God commands individual believers and local church to be passionate, to be hungry, to be on fire in their relationship with Christ. Luke chapter 10 verse 27 tells us to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy what? All thy mind. And aside from uh, diagnosing the church, the great physician, Jesus himself, doesn't just give this church a diagnosis, doesn't just give this church a prognosis, but he also reveals to them the cause of their lukewarmness. And we find that in verse 17. They say, I am rich, I have prospered and in need of nothing. But they don't realize that they are wretched, they are poor, blind, and naked. The cause of the spiritual lukewarmness of these Laodicean believers is material wealth and prosperity that produced self-satisfaction and caused them to be content. And as we said earlier, Laodicea was a wealthy community. And throughout the New Testament, it regularly connects spiritual disease in believers to material wealth. One of the most famous examples of this is uh, we talked about it last time we were together. The story of the rich young ruler. Here, Jesus offers this rich young ruler a chance to follow him, to be part of his company, to be his disciple, and to come to know Jesus with great intimacy. But it would cost him his material wealth. But the rich young ruler put his wealth ahead of God. He was not willing to let go of his earthly treasures. And it cost him his walk with God. So are you saying then that uh, riches and wealth is not good? Nope, that's not what I'm saying. God wants us to prosper. But if prosperity, if your prosperity, if your, if your being blessed causes you to draw away from God, then that becomes a problem. If we are not careful, wealth and what it can give us, what, what, what does wealth give us, the feeling of comfort, satisfaction, it can quickly quench our fire. It can quickly create a false sense of, well, I'm, I'm good. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to pray. Why will I pray? I, I, I have all what I, that I need. 
What do I have to hope for? I have all that I need right here. Sometimes wealth numbs our feeling. How does it numb our feeling? It creates that false sense that we do not need anything else. If we get sick, we have a money to pay the best doctor. If they say there's a food shortage, then we can just pay the, the big grocery store to deliver a big uh, load of food in our house. So that false sense of security takes away your prayer time. Compare that to a, a poor person that doesn't have a uh, food laid out for many years. What that person does is he goes to prayer to put it in, an, in another perspective. We aren't as hungry for Jesus because we are satisfied in our spiritual appetites with the idols of this world. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, For the love, again, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And so this wealthy Laodiceans had not only grown self-satisfied, but they have made their spiritual uh, hunger be filled by the treasures that they have. And so the question is, what does the church of Laodicea have to do with me? Well, if you are not yet aware of what's going on in our society, people are becoming numb in their relationship with God. People are more concerned with the things of this world rather than strengthening their spiritual lives. Christians have become lukewarm in their spirit and in their worship to the point of letting down godly standards just so that they would, would um, be accepted, they, just so that they would be relevant to the world. My friends, your spirituality and your passion and your being on fire for God is not measured by how many church uh, and how many religious activities you attend to. We saw that in Ephesus. They were workers, and yet God rebuked them for losing their first love. Yes, you can work, but if there is no love, then that is just a job. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2, If I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Revelations 3, verse 19. Jesus points out his concern for the church in Laodicea. He says, As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten or discipline. Be zealous, therefore, and be enthusiastic or be passionate and repent. Here I am knocking at the door. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he will eat with me. Here we are introduced that God's rebuke is not because He is angry or wants to destroy you, but He rebukes and chastens or corrects those whom He loves. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, uh, it would remind us further that the Lord disciplines those whom He loves. And so my question is, did Jesus turn away because He saw that the church of Laodicea was lukewarm? No. Unlike men, yes, we men, we sometimes have the attitude that, well, if they don't care, then why should I care? But in verse 20, we see clearly Jesus knocking at the door. And to my knowledge, you only knock if it is closed. And that tells me that the church of Laodicea, because they are rich, because they are in need of nothing, they have locked out Jesus, meaning they left Jesus outside. 
kind of uh, people sometimes that we meet. Just, just because they, they made it big time in life, just because they became successful, they tend to forget the Lord and the church. Although Jesus was left out of the church, yet He has not given up on them. He did not leave them just because they left Him. But He is giving them a, a way out. Rather than turn His back on them, God is knocking at their doors. He knocks to see if someone would acknowledge, if someone would recognize that there is something wrong, that there is something missing in the church, that we need God. Jesus said that if they would repent and turn back from their wicked ways, He would come in and take His rightful place at church. And to him that overcome, I will grant him to sit with me in my throne. So in summary, just like the church of Ephesus, the church of Laodicea has become cold and uninterested in their love for Christ. They have allowed uh, the false sense of peace and, and wealth and prosperity cause them to be content and not pursue more after God. They will say, well, I got baptized. I speak in tongues. I go to the church. Uh, that's enough. But is it really? Do we stop in there? Just because we were baptized? Just because we go to church every day? Does, does it mean that that's it for us? Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and let's start to read from verse 1 to 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boaster, proud, blasphemer, disobedient to parent, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breaker, false accuser, incontinent, peers, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. My friends, the message to the church of Laodicea and the rebuke to the church of Laodicea is a great tragedy. And do not think that God is condemning the world. Nope. The letters here are not for the world, but for the church. Again, the message is talking about the condition of the church or the condition of the group of believers who are members of the, the body of Christ. And it is not those that are living worldly. In the last days, there are churches that are doing all their might to have a revival church. They're out there. They're on fire. They're passionate to do the work for God. But it seems like the lukewarm church is just too far to be affected by the passion of the church. It seems like the, the lukewarm church is just uh, out of reach. That when the on fire, that, that when the spirit of this on fire church has come to this lukewarm people, it dies down. And it seems like they are too refined. They are too good to dance for the Lord. They are too well dressed to run the aisle. They are too well uh, poised to shout for the Lord. They are too decent. They are too upright to go knock on the doors. They say to themselves, well, uh, we're here at the church, aren't we? My friends, what does perfect attendance mean if our heart is not in the church? 
Yes, there are those who regularly attend the church, but their minds and heart are elsewhere. I know. I, I, I did it before. Before God touched and moved me. I, I would I would sit there in, in, in the church and say, I wish the preacher would hurry up so that I could go buy the thing that's on sale. I hope it's still on sale. Or or there are those who would say, oh, I, I pray that the pastor would be done already. They, they would look at their time and I wish he'd be done already. I'm going to miss the Pacquiao boxing match. Or I'm going to miss my, my team playing. And not only that, but it seems like these lukewarm churches are too distant to even be bothered to minister to. They have their own thing going in for them. They are too churched. They are too high-minded. They know everything. That if the preacher is not some big-time preacher, they would not even listen. They would not even care to listen to a young man preaching or to a common man preaching the Word of God. What does this mean? Meaning the refreshing Word of God. The, the refreshing word that is like the waters that come from Colossae become too common for them. The refreshing word cannot refresh them anymore. And so, as we close, what can we take from the letters from these seven churches? What we can learn from here is that there is a need for us to constantly have a prayer life, to study the scriptures and make ourselves approved. And not only that, but to make sure to exercise or to work out our salvation. Have a passion to reach out. Produce good works for the Lord. And do not allow a life of luxury and comfort to cause you to relax or to be at ease in serving for God. Do not allow your walk with God to go to a point where you are not contributing anything to the body of Christ. For we are one body and the body needs you and I. Do not think that just because you're the toe that you are unimportant. If you fail to contribute, not only are you in disobedience, but everyone else suffers when you don't do your part. What happens if, if the eye will say, oh, I'm so tired today, I'm just going to close my eyes. How will the body see? If the vein will say, oh, I'm so tired of being just used to, to deliver message. Because that's what the vein does. It delivers blood from here, from the other organs to the other organs. And what if that body says, I'm going to shut down. I'm, I'm tired. I'm not, I'm not getting recognition. If that, if that vein shuts down, then there are certain parts of the, the body that would shut down. In our walk with Christ, we will have failures. We will have setbacks. But do not allow the pressures of the world and the lust of sin to draw you away, to keep you away from your fellowship with Christ. And this important message is a wake-up call to all believers. It's not a message to the sinner, but this is a message to the church, a message not to be lukewarm, just like the Laodiceans. If you would this. notice what this pandemic has caused, it has caused many believers to stay comfortable in their pajamas doing some online service. Yes, we understand those who are not able to because there is restrictions. And but what about those who have opened their doors and have allowed in-person services? There are people who have not gone to the church 
They have neglected the need to fellowship with the body of believers. And as we end tonight, I just want to summarize the letters to the church. In every message of Jesus to the churches, he would end with, with the words, to him that overcomes. To the church in Ephesus. To those that have not lost their passion for doing a work for God. To those who have lost their way and find their way back. If you overcome this trial, what trial? If you overcome this trial of losing your passion and then you get back up and, and continue to walk with God and you uh, continue to be passionate about working for God and the ministry, God will give you eternal life. To those who continue to be faithful in their walk with God, even if you do not have all the things you need, you might not get your reward here on earth, but God will surely reward your faithfulness with a crown. To those who will not allow false teaching or strange doctrines to pollute your faith and your walk with God, and if you remain faithful to the teaching and the Word of God, the Lord will write His name upon you and you will be marked as His. To those who will not allow themselves to be like the worldly, to those who will keep themselves separate from the influence of the world and have not kept uh, themselves uh, polluted and have kept themselves pure, their worship pure, God will be with you. To those who will sacrifice themselves and step out to do the work for the Lord, no matter how great or no matter how small it is, if you show yourself approved, if you incorporate works in your faith, you will be forever written in the book of life. And to those who are not bothered by their weaknesses, those who overcome their lack of this or their lack of that, those who will say, I know that I'm not the best preacher. I know I'm not the best Bible study teacher. I know I'm not very fluent in speaking, but I will speak anyway. I know that I don't have much to give, but I will give anyway. Those who continue to serve, even if they only have little and have not denied Christ, God will make them pillars in His temple. And to those who refuse to become comfortable, and want nothing but continue to desire God and continue to hope for Him and have faith in Christ. To those who would not allow life circumstances to cause them to be satisfied and not be hungry for God, they will sit with Christ. Letters ended with this word. To all that have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Harden not your heart, but allow the Word of God to move in your hearts, to move in your lives. Let the Word of God be a light to your path. Let it be a lamp to your feet. And I pray that the message in these churches strengthen your walk and would strengthen your faith in God. So until the next time we see again, God bless you all. In Jesus' name. Well, there you go, my friends. We hope that you were blessed by the sharing of the word and we pray that God would continue to bless you 
and guide you as we journey together towards the calling wherewith we were all called. And we hope you enjoyed our table talk and please don't forget to click on that like button, to share, to subscribe to This Is That on your favorite podcast. And also find us on YouTube at Call to Ministry. Just click on This Is That video link. Until we meet again, continue to stay strong in the Lord. And as we continue to move together in the apostolic, always remember that this is that. God bless you all.